Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors educational podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. Our topic for this episode is current U.S. market structure issues and their relevance to investors. Our special guest today is Tyler Galash, Executive Director of Healthy Markets Association. Healthy Markets is an investor-focused, not-for-profit coalition looking to educate market participants and promote data-driven reforms to market structure challenges. Welcome, Ty. Thanks, Jeff. I'm going to ask three questions about our topic, so let's get started. Question one. Ty, many market experts claim that trading costs for pension funds and other institutional investors have never been lower. You disagree. What's the basis for your view that pension funds and other institutional investors are overpaying for their securities transactions? The easiest part is just looking at the facts. Uh, So I'm going to start with investors used to worry just about commissions when they were trading. And right from the beginning, the NYSE actually had caps on what those could be. And to be clear, commissions on public stock trading have come way, way down in recent years. But commissions in private securities transactions, fixed income transaction and derivatives are still enormous. And we spend 90% of our effort these days focusing on the equities markets. But that's not where some of the biggest costs are. And if we are talking about fractions of a penny or pennies a share for public stock trading, we're talking about orders of magnitude larger for private securities and other asset classes. But let's also go back to the public stock markets for a second. Explicit trade execution commissions are just a fraction of the overall trading costs. That's because the greatest cost for trading are now essentially three things. It's the commission themselves, which may be kind of small. So a lot of times it's also payment for research. And here's the big one. The realized transaction costs because the market moved against you. So let me show you that by an example. Suppose you go to Macy's and you want to buy a blender and you pay a hundred bucks for it. And just after you finish ringing out, the clerk puts a sign out that says that it's now on sale for $98, but you can't get the new lower price. So everyone else now gets to buy it for $98 except for you. Well, that happens Every single day on the stock market, it's something called adverse selection or toxicity. These are fancy words for basically saying big institutional investors often end up paying the worst prices possible. And that doesn't come out as a fee or something that you're going to see when you're generally looking at your trading costs. That's not a fee that you pay to the advisor. That's just worse returns for your fund. That's it. Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering... Those fees, those little costs, that sort of implied hidden tax on you, there's estimates that that's billions of dollars a year for institutional investors. Question number two. Back in March, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission issued for public comment a proposed transaction fee pilot for NMS stocks. In May, the Council of Institutional Investors issued a comment letter in support of the proposal. In June, CII issued letters to over three dozen New York Stock Exchange-listed companies expressing our concerns regarding their opposition to the proposal. Ty, can you give us some background and an overview of the SEC proposed transaction fee pilot and explain why the pilot is so important for pension funds and other institutional investors? Yeah, well, first I want to begin by thanking you, Jeff, and the Council of Institutional Investors and your members for their leadership on this really important issue. And it can sound pretty complicated, but the reality is it's pretty simple. Are your brokers who are routing your orders doing so in the way that gets you the best prices or in a way that maximizes their own profits? It's really that simple. They have incentives. There are fees, there are rebates, things that they have to pay or how much they get paid. 
They can also get all sorts of other types of incentives. So the reality is brokers are incentivized for how they treat your orders. And the risk is that they're going to follow those incentives and not route your orders in ways that get you the best prices. And so that's what the pilot is intended to test. The pilot is basically says, hey, we're going to reduce the amount of one of the most prominent types of those incentives. We're going to reduce rebates. We're also going to reduce fees. And so those two things are powerful incentives by reducing them with any kind of luck, we would be able to see what brokers would do if they're not incentivized to maximize their own profits, but are really just focusing on the best price for you. It's been over five years since a bunch of market participants came to, frankly, lobby me when I was working in Congress for something to look at this. And the Trump Treasury Department Capital Markets Report actually recommended this pilot. So the SEC finally did it. In March, they kicked out a proposal and they received more than 50 comment letters from institutional investors and their advocates, like the Council of Institutional Investors and like Healthy Markets. But they also received letters from very, very large pension funds, very, very large investment advisors, all on the same side, basically saying, look, we think that this is really important to reducing your costs and your risks. And even some brokers, interestingly, were supportive of the pilot as reducing conflicts of interest. But of course, the exchanges are not. The exchanges who are paying these rebates and are receiving the benefits of essentially the incentives that they are paying folks are concerned that it's going to really disrupt their business models and frankly make people want to trade elsewhere. And so they sent letters to NYSE, actually, just NYSE, sent letters to some of their listed companies asking for issuers to weigh in in opposition of the pilot. And get this, the theory was that it was going to increase transaction costs in their securities. Meanwhile, all of their investors, the people who own those companies, are actually on the other side of the pilot. But sure enough, a couple of dozen of those companies weighed in, and it's really put the SEC in a conundrum. So my first issue now, and my concern is now, what the SEC does from here. So one possibility is that they implement the pilot as proposed. They may also, because of all the issuer pushback, they may decide to allow for an opt-out or dramatically reduce the size of the pilot. That would certainly concern us from a statistical relevancy perspective, but also... If you can imagine that the broker may be incentivized to trade at a particular venue, removing a couple of stocks from that incentive may not be materially different for them. And therefore, the broker may still continue to trade with a much larger incentive elsewhere. Put simply, I don't care if my broker is incentivized one way or another. If he still has the incentive, it's bad for me. And so that's what my primary concern with the pilot. My, my second concern with the pilot right now, in terms of how it may be finalized, is that as it's constructed, rebates and fees are limited in different buckets. But there are a lot of incentives. And so my concern is that the exchanges may figure out creative ways to incentivize brokers that are not controlled for. And so one of the things we've hoped, we've asked the SEC to do while finalizing the pilot is to essentially control for the other types of incentives so that we aren't saying, hey, we're going to restrict rebates here, but we're going to give you a better discount on something else over there. I think we're going to get the pilot, frankly, within the next six months. And my hope is it's a good one. Ty, final question. Another market structure related issue that you've been focusing on is stock exchange or self-regulatory organization filings with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Can you explain this issue and, and why you believe pension funds and other institutional investors should be paying more attention to those filings? 
Well, first off, you can't be blamed for not paying attention to those filings. There are more than 1,500 last year. The SEC, frankly, hasn't traditionally paid much attention to them, so it's a lot to ask any pension fund to really do. And the reality is the majority of these filings receive no comment, and the vast majority are also automatically effective. And these are filings into things like order types, fees, all sorts of anything that really the exchange wants to do. And what would probably not surprise you is for-profit exchanges make these filings in ways that maximize their profits. Well, there's one little catch there. The SEC has an obligation to review every one of these filings and make a number of determinations. These determinations are that they can't be discriminatory, that fees have to be reasonable and equitably allocated, that they can't be undue burdens on competition. The SEC has traditionally never really dug into those things. They don't want to be a fee-setting agency, so they've never really dug in to the requirements of the Exchange Act. Well, last year, a case called Susquehanna, essentially a D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, said the SEC had this responsibility and they had abdicated it. And more recently this year, the SEC has started to, in fact, abrogate some SRO filings and suspend and push back on some of the SRO filings. What these mean are in dollars and cents terms. We're talking about expenses for connectivity. So in order for a broker to connect to a BATS exchange, it used to be in 2012, $2,500 a month. Then it went up to $4,000 a month, then $6,000, then $7,000. It just went up this summer to $7,500 a month. Meanwhile, connectivity of transmission of data is cheaper than it's ever been. Prices have gone down, down, down. So why are these things going up? And who do you think pays for that? If the broker's fee goes up 300% over a couple of years, who do you think has to pay those broker fees? Those have to get passed on, and they're getting passed on to you. And so that's one of the primary reasons. And we talk about other things like order routing complexity and the presence of high-frequency traders and whether or not folks are able to exploit. All of those things are actually baked into these SRO filings. So the SEC finally digging in, as we've seen earlier this year, and frankly, Commissioner Jackson's speech and event we hosted confirmed there's a real impetus to push back and hopefully bring these costs down, both for brokers but uh, and also for the people who ultimately ultimately bear the cost, which are the pensions. That concludes our program. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Tyler Glosh, Executive Director of Healthy Markets Association. If you have any questions or comments regarding Ty's remarks or CII's views on market structure issues, please feel free to contact me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney of CII. Thanks for listening. Thank you very, very much for hosting